Get in the cart. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast. Hello, everyone. It is the month of September. We made it through the summer. It's pretty incredible. I'm Ben Hutchison. We have some special guests today, general manager here at Mistwood, Dan Bradley, and Jim McQuethy's children, Gretchen Hupke and then Todd McQuethy. So we really wanted to get you guys in here today to talk about Jim. It's been an extremely tough summer for the Mistwood family, for your family, really kind of all one family. But everyone wants to know, how are you guys doing since his passing? Uh, we're doing all right. Uh, well, what do you say, Gretchen? Definitely feel like there's a, a void in our in our lives. But I think uh, everything seems weird right now, though. I think it's yes. just, it's, um, and I don't know if it's just missing dad or if it's the weird, you know, I not being able to go into a restaurant and everyone's wearing a mask. Um, but everything, um, it's been a little bit different, but we're, we're hanging in there. I'm really grateful that Todd and I are, are close. Um, I feel like there's days where we're talking 10, 15 times a day um, about things yes, and, and working, our way, working our way through. It wasn't like that before, you know, no, year, we, we two, talk, for the past few years. No, we talked regularly, but just not every not day. Not as much. And I think there's multiple just, times every day. Yeah, there's just a lot of things that we're, you know, dealing with and trying to sort through. Um, but uh, and, and staying busy, I think, has helped a little bit yes. with um, over the last few months. Um, but no, we certainly, uh, I mean, not a day goes by that we're not talking about talking about our dad and, and missing him and wondering how he would handle this situation or wishing we could, you know, get his, his guidance and his wisdom on things. I think what, what people don't know, you know, everybody that's, that's listening, I think, knew Jim as a golfer and they knew him from Mistwood, but they, they didn't know all the other things that were, were part of his business or, or professional life. You know, and even a lot of them knew about Barry Baring and, and the Baring industry, but they didn't know about the farms. They didn't know about the other investments. They didn't know about adusa and the other the technology company and uh, all the other things that all of a sudden you know you two had uh, had to really jump into and, and your mom as well so you know not only was it the loss of your father not only was it is it covid in the weird world we're in right now but all of a sudden it's hundreds of pounds of you know things and paperwork and stress and you know all that stuff i, I can't even imagine the last couple of months so, yeah, so we're trying to navigate through things that he somehow made it look easy, that he was, you know, juggling, yeah, farms and multiple businesses and pleasure and all these different things and travel, and somehow we're, two of us are struggling to uh, kind of stay afloat through it all. That's interesting that you said that because it, he did, it wasn't that he made it look easy. He made it, I don't know, he, it wasn't, when, when somebody, if he was walking around Mistwood and somebody said hi to him, a member or, or, or somebody, I mean, none of that stuff was on his mind. I'd see him leave my office, and I knew he had to go to some meeting about something else that was incredibly important. And yet, some you know, two members would stop him to talk. He would stop and talk for thirty minutes, and you'd never even know. I mean, he he was so good at that. Um, that was part of what was endearing, I think, about him. Absolutely, we have some big shoes to fill, um, and we're you know struggling. I, I think. You know, again, I'm happy that uh, you know I've got my family, and particularly my sister. I think actually we make a pretty good team, right? We do. <laughs> yes. uh, but we're you know there's a learning curve, and we're we're in the middle of that right now for sure. Yeah, but no, as Dan was saying, he he yes, he could be very busy, but he always. I mean, I could call him as he was walking into a meeting, or you know, coming coming to Mistwood or whatever it may be, and 
even though he may have been, as he usually was late, go, probably, this is partially why he probably was late right. everywhere he went, <laughs> um, you know, stop and whatever it was that I had to ask him about or discuss, he was 100% invested in that conversation. Um, and there's times what he would do on the weekends. I mean, he would be busy. He maybe would have had something to do Saturday morning here at the course, um, but then he would make sure he was going to race up to see Todd's daughter's dance competition and turn around drive home from Michigan that evening to be at my son's wrestling tournament the next day and then come to find out 8 o'clock that night on Sunday, he's at his office finally doing all the work, all the things that he put mm-hmm. off. Um, but he, he didn't let you know that. He didn't complain about what he had to go home and do. He just kind of said, I, I, I want to be able to do all this and whoever, whoever I'm with at that time is where I want to be and I'm going to be um, there in the moment. And then he would, then he would work hard uh, after hours. I wish he was that focused on his golf game for all those years. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one thing that struck me. Uh, I only knew him about a year and a half, but he was a businessman through and through, but he's a family man through and through. And he would always talk about his family and the time spent together and those moments that he just truly valued. So I think for people to know how busy he was, but that he always made time for family to get to those events and see those events, it just shows the type of person he was because I know you, Gretchen, went through and saw the Facebook comments, all the people just, you know, thinking about you guys and the family. Was there anything that struck you from a public perspective that you maybe didn't know about your dad? It was just amazing how many people he reached. I mean, people that, you know, maybe had met him. A lot of people said, hey, I met him once in the tavern, or I met him, you know, I was I played at the member guest as a guest three years ago, or people that really weren't, you know, they felt like they knew him, um, and that's kind of something special that he, a special gift that he had. He could talk to you for a few minutes and he made you feel, and he truly thought of you as his, as his friend. Yeah. He um, always made a big impression, I think on a, a large number of people. So, yeah. And so, so many of the comments weren't just, you know, that they were, you know, expressing, you know, their condolences, but more of sharing actual bits and pieces about the person that, that he was, um, which that was, that was pretty touching. I received an email yesterday. And, you know, we received so many, uh, you know, in the first few weeks uh, after he passed. But even yesterday, I received an email from a Golf Digest raider that lives in California. And it's somebody that that came out here years ago, played the course one time. Um, I don't know if he played with your dad. I, I have to look it up to see if he played with him or if he, your dad liked to go meet, you know, some of the raiders that came out. But he sent me the, the nicest email just saying, that he heard, uh, you know, it took him a couple of months to find out, but he heard about it, and um, he's devastated by the news and, um, you know, the investment that he made in Mistwood, and he went on and on about Mistwood, but also, you know, that he was one of the good guys and, you know, that he he had that impression, you know, just like you said. I mean, he had this impression on people, and it was real. It, w- it was, that's the gym that we knew. Yeah, it was that's authentic. the dad that you it knew. Really was. Right. You know, a lot of, I don't know if anybody listening knows you too, right? <laughs> Not a lot of people do. Why don't you just maybe a little bit about yourself and especially your family, just to, I guess, understand how old your kids are. And so they can kind of put that into context with, with your dad and, and the Mistwood timeline, the, you know, trying to match up the family timeline and the, and the Mistwood timeline. I think it would be interesting for people. I'm Gretchen. And uh, <laughs> um, I have a husband, Chris, and two children, uh, Will and Kate. Will is a high school freshman at Wheaton Academy this year. And Kate is uh, 11 years old and just started middle school. We're busy. Kids are very involved in sports. They've always enjoyed I mean, it was grandma and grandpa were at pretty much every sporting event. Um, every, you know, before, as you were talking about my dad making time for things, you know, before he would book a, a golf trip or a business trip or plan really anything, it was always he'd reach out to, to both of us and say, hey, what do the kids have uh, on the weekend of, you know, whatever, May 20th? 
I'm thinking about doing this, but I don't want to do it if I'm going to miss anything. And I can be like, oh, Dad, it's just, a, you know, it's just a, we just have one soccer game, not a big deal. And he's like, oh, no, 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 I want to make it. I want to make it. So he really found a way. He always would reach out and make sure he was there for whatever he could be a part of for, for the kids. And, I mean, and he wasn't just there. He was fully present when he was there and involved and watching every bit. And quite often, you know, would text the kids or call the kids later, hey, that was, I really liked watching you play today, or that was great. I love, you scored that goal. You know, I'm really proud of you. Or, hey, Will, I loved hearing about your, you know, the class you're taking. So he just, um, they, they had a very close, a very close relationship um, with, uh, with their grandpa. No, he was always very engaged, I think, as a, as a father, um, as a grandfather, too. I mean, and, he, and he was goofy. I mean, he would do things with the, I mean, he did, he always, we had a wonderful childhood. We traveled a lot. We spent a ton of time together. Um, but he, they, they say when you become a grandparent, you kind of become a different person and you're willing to do anything for your grandkids. Well, that was very, very true. Um, we would take vacations, I remember um, quite vividly. Uh, I think it was third grade. You know, he felt he had to take me. I had never been to Disney World. I had to go to Disney World. He had to do that trip as much as he, you know, hated crowds, didn't want to deal with people, just so not his his uh, his thing. Took us, and I remember we pulled up to the parking lot, and he told the two of us, you go on everything as many times as you want because we are never coming back. <laughs> like, this is it. Do it. Go on it all. But then, come, but then you, know. you know what? But then he did go back um, because he went back as a grandfather. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he went, went back with, your with, kids with my with kids, mine. with yours, yeah. riding every roller coaster, having a blast, <laughs> went to Bush Gardens, went to Six Flags. I mean, he those grand, I mean, if the grandkids wanted him to do something, he, he would was do doing it. it. Hey, Grandpa, will you ride in the front row of the roller coaster with me? Sure enough, <laughs> Grandpa's uh, you know, arms up and, you know, hands up in the air, riding in the front of the roller coaster. What was the trip? We saw, I had a video, I played it at a staff meeting, and it was your dad jumping off a boat. And making a silly face as he jumped. And it was recent. I mean, it was maybe oh, a year yes. ago. Oh, yes. I can share that video yeah. again. Um, that was in um, Turks and Caicos uh, just probably three, four years ago. I think we had it in slow, mo- slow motion, yeah. too. So, he, yeah, he jumped off the side of the boat and had to stop midair, make a goofy face at the grandkids, and then, <laughs> you know, land in the water. Um, so, no, definitely uh, the kids, uh, I think really miss his uh, his sense of humor. He he could make. Uh, oh, he was a goofy guy. Yeah, goofy a grandfather for sure. I think well, of the papa face for my uh, my youngest, who's uh, going to be two um, in about a month. Um, he would always make this face um, where he would stick his uh, bottom lip out and go, hmm, "It's a papa face," <laughs> sort of thing. And uh, she still does that. Um, and. Uh, it's hilarious. Everyone knows the Papa face now. I think he used to make yeah. that face around here when he had to pay for something. But we, I know we took lots of great trips. There was the trip from hell that, or that's what I, that's what I called it. Um, it <laughs> wasn't, was, it wasn't a golfing trip or wasn't a golfing no, trip. No, Maybe it actually, was. <laughs> I don't think he, you know what? I don't think he golfed on that trip at all. No, um, he usually didn't golf when he was with us on vacations. It was 100% mm, yep. time. Cause none of us are big golfers. So when we would go on vacations. It was truly about, yeah. I mean, he took tons of golf trips um, all the time, but I think when they were family trips, they were family trips, mm-hmm. uh, with maybe rare exception. But the trip from hell was the Pacific Northwest. And in hindsight, it was like a really cool trip. Um, but at the time, at least for me, I was, I think I was in high school. I just got my driver's license, just got my braces off. And so I kind of wanted to be at home, right? Um, but he had this trip planned. Um, and again, it was like, really cool when I think back. 
I think we started in Oregon, mm-hmm. rented a car. We flew out there, rented a car, and we drove um, through Oregon, through Washington. Uh, we stayed at bed and breakfasts, I think, the whole way. Um, ended up in Seattle, went over into Canada, uh, British Columbia, so Vic- uh, Victoria, um, Vancouver. Banff. Bam- Bam- Very cool. Calgary. Yeah, so in hindsight, but for us, you know, it was just, you know, he kept on talking about, we've got to see another rain for us, kids. You know, <laughs> it we was had kind a lot of like of, the whole Clark Griswold. Yes, I mean, he, it, we compared he, him to he that was all the time. Clark Griswold. Yes, yeah. um, but no, we complained and we fought the whole time. I mean, I'm getting paid back now because my kids <laughs> are about Me that too. age and they're, you know, fighting all the time. Um, but yeah, we pretty much, I think, made that trip miserable. But he, he kept this positive attitude and we were going to see another rainforest and we were going to... I think only at one point it got negative. We were we were driving somewhere, wasn't it like Florence? Uh, I I can't remember, but we, but it just I think we had like pushed him to his limit. So he had just stopped the car, turned around, and decided we're not going there today. Like just forget it. You kids aren't worth it. Well, you said he loved the family vacation, National Lampoon stuff. Oh, we should talk yes. about his movie taste right now because I think a lot of people would be surprised at his favorite movies. <laughs> Which we've discussed. He watched a lot of movies. Oh, yeah. My mom <laughs> yeah. and dad would go. I mean, they were big. They did not watch a whole lot of TV at home or movies at home. But their thing, uh, usually Friday nights, sometimes mm-hmm. multiple times a weekend, their thing was to go to the movie theater. He loved his popcorn. I mean, Definitely. he could have had dinner and he would still get his big, large bowl of popcorn, spill three quarters of it on his lap. Um, always had butter stains all over his clothing. Yeah, there was um, actually, I think they, they were on TV once at a Blackhawks game. <laughs> and he, or was it ice cream? I think maybe I'm getting mixed up between the ice cream and the popcorn. But like it, Two of his favorites. It kind of zoomed in. And I don't know if it was him and if it were, was I and one of my kids or if it was your kids. But I think, you know, the, the announcer said something like, whoa, look at that family. <laughs> <laughs> sort of thing, right? <laughs> no, but in terms of his movie yeah, taste, he, definitely. I mean, he liked everything. I mean, they would see, they they saw a lot of movies, lot of movies. In, the, in, the, in the theater. Well, it was um, a generational thing, though, too, because you think of that, that age bracket. Um, you, you went out to movies. Yeah. You know, like we didn't have all the things that we have now. But, yeah, you're right. They, uh, they went to movies, I think, every Friday. Yeah. So, I mean, he liked, he liked really all movies, but if you think of some of his favorites... It's the goofy ones. It's the National the Lampoon's ones. Vacation. Yep. It's the Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> it's um, trying to think of some of the others that fall into that category. But just the movies that he would claim, I'm not going to watch this. This is stupid. And then he'd sit there just dying laughing. Um, he had that funny laugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, He'd be embarrassed, like in the movie theater. He <laughs> was so loud. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Todd, you, you didn't tell us about uh, your family. Also yeah, well, about, I'm uh, um, about your children and family. Uh, I'm 48 now, so I'm pushing 50. Um, uh, Krista and I have two girls. Um, Sophia is eight, and uh, or will be eight, I should say, um, in about a month. And uh, Molly will be two. And uh, so we're v- very busy with them. Obviously, you know, we had kids a little bit later in life, um, so they wear me out. Uh, something awful. They're a blast. Um, we stay real busy, too. Um, Sophia was real into dance um, for a while. Still is. We're kind of taking a break from it right now, one, because of COVID. Um, uh, but two, just so she can uh, 
try some other things, try some other sports and other activities. Um, she's taking ukulele lessons um, and just started voice lessons last week. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. She and, just started school. And actually, yesterday. both of my children, as well as Todd's daughter, Sophia, have all more recently finally started to take to golf. Yes. Um, it was something that I know my dad pushed with both of us as kids. And we both, you know, played a little bit, mm-hmm. but I think it, it was what he... Our parents wanted us to do, so we kind of, you know, <laughs> wanted to find our own thing. Yeah. Um, and both were, you know, we both had our own activities that we were involved in. Um, but uh, the kids, I think maybe because they've had more time with uh, being out of school through the spring and the summer, um, all three have been out here uh, taking some golf lessons and, and thoroughly enjoying it. So I think Will's doing great. And last time uh, they were hitting balls, uh, Kate was, was doing great, too. Sophia's just starting. Um, you know, we just ordered her a uh, you know, set of clubs. Um, she did a, uh, it was like a golf camp at a friend's uh, country club back in Michigan. And um, at first she didn't want to do it, and I couldn't figure out why, because she seemed interested in the sport, but she didn't want to go to this camp. I got it out of her later that it's because she thought if she was taking a camp, she wanted it to be at Mistwood, which she, oh. called, <laughs> she called Papa's Castle. Um, because when she was little, she was really into the princesses, like lots of little girls. And, um, well, you look at the architecture of the place and you can kind of see where it's, it's kind of castle-ish. Um, uh, but no, she, she actually really enjoyed that camp and she had three lessons, um, with Nicole before, um, she had to go back to school. And so now it's a little bit more difficult, but, uh. Uh, she's hitting balls in the yard, so it's it's exciting, and I know my dad would love that. He would have loved it. Oh, he would yeah. have talked. He would have told us about that. Oh yeah, nonstop oh. around here. Well, I was. Yeah. I know. I've shared with a few of the Mistwood staff. He he always claimed one of his very favorite things was watching kids walk with golf bags. Um, mm-hmm. In one of his probably the last month of his life, uh, when I would drive him here, we would sit and kind of sit by the the bag drop, and you know he just. He loved those moments of watching members and people walk in, but it was when he would see the kids walking in with their clubs that he's like, there's nothing better, absolutely nothing better than a kid with a golf bag. Didn't you take um, pictures of your kids as so they yeah, walked? Yeah, pretty much every, I mean, every time I have ever taken my kids out to golf, it's something I've always done, and I have some great pictures here out at Mistwood, is I've not taken pictures of them so much swinging or from the front, but it's them like walking away with their, with their golf bad. bags. Yeah. Um, so he always said that was one of his, you know, nothing better. Well, it's the next generation of golfers, Yeah, young kids. And I think it reminded him a lot of his childhood. Um, He would go out and play golf with his father and grandfather and those special, special memories. And he kind of saw where the game of golf took him that I think he, you know, he wishes that for the, for the next generation. Did your mom golf? Nope. Nope. Not at all. Not at all. We might have a couple pictures of her swinging at club um, back like when, you know, they were in their (laughs) twenties. Yeah, uh, but no, she she's, she's never, never really had much of an interest in. Um, I mean, she was always supportive of him playing. Oh yeah, um, but she just never had much of an interest in, in in playing. And we've joked. I mean, I keep saying even now, I, okay, maybe I should start taking some lessons. And mom, you should come with me. We should do this. Um, so you know, there's still hope. We'll see. Certainly. So the I'm just trying to to put this timeline together. So the grandkids are about what, 12, 13 years apart from the oldest to the youngest. Somewhere somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, oldest is 14, and youngest will be two. two. Yeah, so, so 12 years. 12 years yeah. apart. So that, that and Mistwood, it, well, let's see, it was 2003 or 2004 once the uh, ownership was finalized. Mm-hmm. So we're, I mean, right at, this was right about the time that 
you know, your dad bought Mistwood right about within a couple of years. What, what was that like as a family? What was it like when he was making the decision to buy Mistwood? Was it, is it something that he talked about? Is it something like we know around here that he would, he would buy things that he didn't want, you know, you or your mom to know about and he would just buy them and not say anything. <laughs> was it like that? Did he just buy a golf course and not say anything to anybody? And then two months later you, he told you that he, he no, <laughs> no, I think we did talk about it. Both Gretchen and I were pretty busy at the time. I, you got married that year. Yeah, I got married in 2003. So I was just kind of getting started there mm-hmm. and you were just opening your business. At yeah, McBuffy Farms. We had just, uh, that would have been our first year in operation. Um, and so, he was busy with that too. Yes, he was. You know, a lot, people don't know this. A lot yes. of people don't know this about your dad. So, well, I guess first talk about McBuffy Farms and then I want to talk about your dad's involvement there. Uh, McBuffy Farms was a, uh, a hydroponic uh, produce, uh, like greenhouse operation. Uh, we grew uh, primarily tomatoes. We dabbled in a lot of other produce, but that was our big crop. Um, uh, yeah, we started that. I think we built the greenhouses in 2001, um, had our first season in 2003. And uh, yeah, my dad was involved heavily through that entire process and uh, the building process um, and even operational. I mean, obviously he would have been in the Chicago area during the weeks, but they came up on the weekends to help uh, both my, my mother and my father um, you know, harvest tomatoes, pruned and trained tomato plants. Um, and, uh, and my father delivered tomatoes, um, to the Chicago area. That was a very regular thing for a number of years. Um, we had a a lot of customers in Michigan, of course, and we had a broker that brought a lot of things into the city. Um, but my dad brought uh, tomatoes to some, uh, uh, not restaurants so much, but, uh, uh, grocery stores Mm -hmm. in the suburbs. And so we, we would rendezvous once or twice a week, um, usually around uh, Portage, Indiana, um, and uh, with, you know, anywhere from 20 to 40 boxes of tomatoes. Um, and then he would go and deliver them. And he loved it. He um, loved it. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. A lot of people at Mistwood, that was their first introduction to your dad, honestly. It was when really? he, was, he always had boxes of tomatoes. And he was <laughs> always, or he would leave a meet, he would leave a meeting and go to, there's a grocery store in Naperville. I can't Casey's. Remember. Casey's. Casey's. That's, that's yeah. it. I was yeah. thinking meat, the meat store. But yeah, Casey's, and he would deliver tomatoes there all the time. He loved delivering yep, those so tomatoes. Yeah. Most people did not know he was a delivery. Yeah, he was a delivery He's a delivery, man. delivery yeah. man, yeah. yeah. And he, he, he genuinely seemed to really enjoy it. I think he got a lot of pride out of it. Uh, the same type of pride that he would have with Mistwood, right? It was a, you know, a very special business. Um and I, I, he was very proud of it. And so I think he loved conversing with, uh, you know, customers that were raving uh, about, about the tomatoes. Um, and I know he loved the fact that a lot of times while he was driving there, the produce manager would call and ask, when are you going to be here? Yeah. We've got people waiting for the tomatoes to, to be did. delivered. He told us about that. Yeah. yeah. And he loved that. And, and who wouldn't? You know, I, I did too. It's Cool. Well, he was proud of the product too, you know, and, and maybe that that's a parallel with with Mistwood and what what he definitely built a parallel. Um, but it was a high quality tomato. It, it really was. He he told stories about um, I can't think of the, the chef's name. Um, oh my gosh, I met him uh, downtown. He has like three or four restaurants. But you, you gave him a tomato. Um, he was a, a Mexican. Oh, probably probably Rick Bayless. Rick Bayless. Yeah. That's what it was. Um, he told the story about Rick Bayless. I don't know how you got one of your tomatoes in his hands, but he he had one of your tomatoes. Um, I remember delivering them um, to the sous chef there. Um, and it was horrible because I was driving one of those uh, uh, Freightliner Sprinter vans yeah. in downtown Chicago. And, um, you know, you know, there's no windows on or anything like that. So I'm trying to merge into traffic and had to park there. 
Um, but the sous chef was very nice. And yeah, I, I dropped off a couple of boxes of tomatoes. And believe it or not, he got us in to eat there. Spare the moment. Um, which, you know, there's normally a, a very long wait. Right. And he's, uh, the sous chef snuck us in, um, which my girlfriend at the time and I, um, uh, for a nice lunch. It was incredible. That's really cool. Yeah. So I didn't get to meet him. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, we, they did have some of our tomatoes and I think he, uh, we didn't have the volume that he wanted. Um, and I, you know, just, it did not work out, but, um, I heard through the grapevine that he, he couldn't believe the quality of the tomato and he couldn't believe how long the uh, shelf life either. Um, so all that was just neat to hear. It's kind of feedback you love, right. As a business owner, your dad talked about it all the time. It was, (laughs) it was really cool. How was Jim outside of Mistwood? We said he loved seeing people wearing the Mistwood gear, talking about it, but how much did he talk about it to people? Or, hey, you know, I've got this golf course. Because people, when they met him at the golf show, I told the story, they're like, oh, we just want to talk to the owner. And they were shocked that the owner was there and willing to talk to them because so many people hide behind stuff, but Jim was front and center and happy to do that. Oh, he was very much front and center, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. But he didn't want to, I mean, he wasn't one that was going to go up to a group of strangers and start talking no. about Mistwood necessarily, but if if the topic arose or he saw someone, you know, wearing a Mistwood shirt, he most certainly was going to go up and, and talk. I know he t- shared a story of, I think, getting off the airplane one time and the, the gentleman sitting behind him was wearing a Mistwood shirt and mm-hmm. he kind of asked the guy, you know, do you, do you, do you play out there? Or do, you, do you like that course? And the guy started raving about it and... And he go and I guess the guy noticed that Dad had kind of Just a smiling. kind of a smirk on his face. He said, "What? Do, do you own the place or something?" And Dad's like, "Well, well actually. actually, I do." Um, so no, but uh, That's cool. So no, he he definitely, you know, loved talking about Mistwood and. and Is that how he met Bo Jackson? Yeah, they be, they met on. Um, no, he met him at Mistwood. Oh, okay. uh, Bo used to Bo played here uh, for a number of years. Uh, we had we had a common friend. Um, and he brought Bo out a few times. So Bo had met your dad here once or twice, but then most recently, um, they actually sat next to each other on, a, on an airplane to Arizona That's it. Yeah. and That's right. your dad introduced himself and Bo remembered him and they talked the entire flight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Was he at home? I mean, I know you said he focused on family and family time was family time, but if it was like rainy and you know, we had to cancel all our tea times for the afternoon, was he grumpy at dinner because of all, because you know, it rains in the <laughs> golf business golf pros are grumpy, right? Was your dad like that, or did he just kind of go with it and didn't really affect, like the ebbs and flows didn't really affect him at all? I don't think it really, I mean, if it did, he really never. He probably hit it pretty well. Yeah, yeah. It, it was not something. That In a family setting that. anyways. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, certainly, I mean, we, we've talked about, uh, you know, things like that at times, certainly in more recent years. Um, as Gretchen and I, you know, began to be a little bit more involved with Mistwood and yeah. started coming to staff meetings and so forth, or even going back to the construction of, of the clubhouse. Um, but yeah, no, I, it's nothing that like was dwelled on or anything like that, or he didn't get, I, 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 he would get grumpy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that I don't think it was, uh, it wasn't like a really big deal. That's good. No, that's good for me to hear because that means that he was happy throughout the day and then he would save it for me at night. Yeah. So like 11 you o'clock. Would, you guys would text Yeah, 11 o'clock he would start sending me the, the angry texts about things. Yeah. No, he yeah. was, it was really fun. No, he didn't really – we didn't get much of that. I mean, he would definitely talk to us. I mean, we, we mm-hmm. were a close family, and I would say, you know, not more than a couple of days ever went by throughout my entire life of not talking to my dad. Um, you know, quite often we talked on a daily basis, and mm-hmm. – 
you know, Mistwood definitely was always a conversation point, but it wasn't the only thing. And it was, you know, talking about other things in our lives. And, you know, if he had questions about things or what I thought of something at Mistwood or, you know, hey, I'm thinking of maybe doing this. What do you think? Um, so he definitely, you know, would bounce Yeah, we had those conversations So sure. it was more of that kind of stuff. Um, and really just, I think, wanting to include us and, and get our opinions and our thoughts on things. Um, yeah, our dad liked to get lots of opinions. He really did. Yeah, we, we know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to a fault almost, right? And then sometimes wouldn't listen to any of them, right? <laughs> right, right? exactly. He, he wanted to hear, gather yeah. the opinions, and then he still was going to do whatever he actually wanted to do. I yeah. remember some of the during the uh, clubhouse construction, oh, some of those my goodness. meetings. Like it, in hindsight, it, maybe it would have been best to involve less people, so there wasn't these competing ideas so much. Um, but he he really liked that. Yeah, he wanted to know what people thought. I can recall going to things. the uh, Unilock look, uh, the Unilock. Um, <laughs> yes, I remember showroom that, that their display in, yes. uh, in Aurora, where it was. There was a bunch of us, and I think it was you, it was Mom, it was me, it was Dan, mm-hmm. it may have been Andy, it may have been Ben. I mean, you had a, a lot of us there to to pick out what we thought was going to be the best uh, stonework, the best exactly. pattern, the best pattern, <laughs> pattern. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> and the color and color. pattern. <laughs> right. um, when it came to the color of the. Um, Pro shop. Oh, the, the oh initial boy. color. Oh boy. Wasn't it initially? It was the color that uh, he. Tell the story. It was loud. <laughs> I can't. I can't find a picture. Oh, I probably have there one. Ha- if you have a picture, I would love to see that because the first rendition, and this was our, our architect, you know, gifted designer. And, oh, incredible! And, um, Absolutely. And, and good friend, right? I mean, Dan Wolfell became a good friend, and for as much as we butted heads, and your dad butted heads with him, and and Dan, I'm sure, tells the same stories. Um, yeah, absolutely gifted, but yeah, the, the colors of the pro shop were probably the biggest point of contention. Um, and Dan was trying to be authentic. Yes. Mm-hmm. What, what, yes, exactly. I guess we just maybe disagreed on what was authentic then. Um, but he was trying to be authentic, you know, to that Scottish storefront. Um, and we had a little darker colors in mind, but you know, he had bright red and bright yellow and the first, the first, you know, I don't know how many times we repainted that thing. It was probably, oh, I don't, I don't it was, remember it my probably dad, six dad or seven times. Oh, I think so. Asking what I thought. I'm like, oh my gosh, it looks like a McDonald's. It's McDonald's. Oh my gosh, it was no, McDonald's. no. <laughs> yeah. So I recall this McDonald's. specifically of, you know, here I was searching, you know, Scottish architecture, Scottish pop, looking up things online. Mm-hmm. And finally, I recall sending him a picture. Of, like, I think this is what would look just right. And then I think he actually took that picture, and I should go back on my phone and try and find this. Um, took that picture to the paint shop and said, I want like a color like this. Um, and I think. I could be wrong, but I think that's what we ended up. I think that's uh, going what we ended with. up settling yeah. on. Yeah. It wasn't that quick, though. No, oh, so, no. I, mean, okay. you, I so, may have skipped a few. Yeah, well, you skipped a few. So that then, took weeks. so you would send him a picture, and then he would go to the he would go to the paint store, and he wouldn't give them the picture. He would pick samples. <laughs> so he would pick. He would come back to us <laughs> with twenty of those little squares that were and, probably nothing like, and they all looked the same to me because I'm colorblind. So <laughs> they all looked exactly the same to me. They were all the same kind of red, and and I had to listen to these. You know, everyone look at them and say, no, this one's more brick and this one's more brownish and has more hints of, I don't know, I don't even, I don't even know, right? Because I'm colorblind. But um, then we would, and then they'd, you know, then they'd, he'd pick one and they'd paint it and then he'd look at it in the sunlight or the clouds or whatever was out there and wasn't quite right. So then we'd do it again with more squares and it went on and on and on. But yes, ultimately, I mean, he's very happy with the, with the result. And I think it was oh, also yeah. trying to decide how far up to go with the red. Yeah. I think initially, yeah, it was more the, than just the where color. The to- some, uh, something else was initially supposed to be red as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and somehow that was another, I, I don't recall specifically what it was, but I know we 
debated a lot about where where do we stop that that color. In hindsight, it's amazing that we got things done on time. Well, when you don't have a timeline, it helps. <laughs> That's <laughs> it helps. true. <laughs> well, we had, we were shooting for something though, weren't we? It just seemed like uh, you know, I, I th- there was quite a process. I think it was a survival mechanism of mine that just to kind of forget the, whatever we were shooting for. <laughs> just kind of blocked it out. <laughs> <huh>? <laughs> yeah. Well, you dealt with it, obviously. It was it was nonstop every day. It right? was fun. I yeah. really did enjoy it. And any any time a color came up, right? We, it was the same process. I, I remember this happened. So here with, with the clubhouse, I remember being in the middle because the contractors were, were trying to build and they wanted yes. to go go go. But your dad was on the other side of me. Say no, you know it's not quite right. Let's go back and you know let's think about this, and then you know that would delay weeks, and and I'd have to, and and, and I just didn't understand, and, and the contractors knew I didn't really care because I'm colorblind and it all looked the same, so it was interesting. But that that same thing happened even when we were renovating the dome. You yeah. know, the, the simplest thing in the world: what color do we stain the dividers at the dome? And my dad was making them, so my dad brought me a stain catalog. And you know, I said, this this doesn't matter. Jim's not going to care about this, right? Oh, I'm just yes, going yeah. oh, yes, to pick, pick a color stain, right? Yeah. So we picked a color stain, and my you know, my dad stained it. And then you know, then your dad came out and looked at it, and then he picked a couple different ones. Oh, and he then, probably then showed it to us. And but then but he he, oh, here, here was the thing, yeah. though, with your dad. Whenever it was colors, right? And we probably played this. We saw the story at least 25, 30 times, right, with different colors of different things. He never wanted an exact color. That was in the catalog. He oh. wanted a mixture, something in between two. Of course. Every single time it was a mixture. <laughs> Every single time. Which so, explains, I think, the two of us to I a was just gonna, I think yeah. both my brother and I, we both have that same yes, um, issue. Uh, inability to right. make a decision. We can we're perfectionists. Yeah. Yes. So we're so, going to build nothing. So we're yes. just going to build yep, nothing from, from so here yeah, on well, out. We, I think we both no, have repainted multiple rooms in our house within, yeah. you know, it, you put up a color and, and you got to switch it. And yeah, I wish there was something just a little bit lighter. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. we're, we're both very much like that. And we probably get that from dad. Yep. So. Sorry, that's guys. A, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one thing because our director of food and beverage, Jimmy Kokolis, he brought this up when they were naming McQuethy's Tavern. Because as much as we talk about your dad, he doesn't need the notoriety and he doesn't need the name. Did he talk to you about that process? Because they here always said that we don't even think he said do McQuethy's Tavern. We kind of just did it. So did he talk about that with uh, you guys at all? He did not. Oh. I mean, it was he did not want. No, his he did name not. Want, no, he did not uh-huh. want that. Um, we we went. You know, I can't remember any of the names now, but we we tried all sorts of different things, and I, nothing really. S- we really stuck. It's because we tried all these Scottish names, and <laughs> that just doesn't sound good. And, and no. we didn't, none of them had, like, an actual connection to us. So, you know, we were, yeah. we were searching for names. And, I mean, it, it was over the course of many, many months that I know we were all trying to brainstorm. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, no, he, you know, we did bring up, well, how about something with, you know, McWethy's? How about using the family name? And, you know, he just, he didn't. He didn't want that. He didn't want his, I didn't want it to be about him. I don't want mm-hmm. my name on a building. But uh, I think we reached a point, and maybe you guys finally made the decision for him, um, that it's just, you know, hey, why not? You know, this is something that you have built, and you're so extremely proud of it, and why not? Why not put your name on it? Um, and I think he, you know, finally came to came Oh, to I think he, it, in yeah. the end he liked just it. Just a feeling of and pride. I do too. I, even, I, I mean, even as we were... Just in the last, you know, just months ago, driving along I-55, seeing the McWethy's Tavern billboard, you know, he would point that out. Oh, that sounds like a nice place. Um, <laughs> you know, and... Uh, we just saw that today on our way here. Yep. So. 
And I think of him going, oh, that looks like a, that must be a nice place. Um, nice Scottish sounding name. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so no, he, uh, it was not his, uh, the original thought to, to have the restaurant named uh, McWethy's Tavern. It was, um, it was pretty interesting to see, I bet you there have been two or three different McWethy's that saw the name of the restaurant and reached out to us wondering if they were related to him. And your dad would always call him and have a conversation. I don't know if any of them ever were. But it is, it's not the most popular name. So it was always interesting to have those people reach out. He loved that. And it was always, it was good for us too. You know, we're so close to it. And, you know, obviously we're here every single day and, and running the restaurant. And we, we say the name of the restaurant so often. But it really wasn't until, you know, a couple months ago when, when he passed that, you know, we kind of looked at each other and realized his name is on this. And, exactly. um, you know, we're very, very proud of that. Like, very proud of that here. It's cool. Oh, we are too. Um, I feel that way about Mistwood in general. Um, I kind of feel like he's here. It's 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 part of him. Um, it's part of the reason I like being here. Oh, for sure. And I, I know I've shared with the with the staff here as well. I mean, I've pulled up to this parking lot hundreds of times, and every single time I pull up, I still get chills. I still get chills, and it's just such a feeling of pride. Um, and many, many times in my dad's last few months, you know, he wasn't getting out of the house a whole lot. But when he was, you know, we'd say, Dad, I'm coming out. We're going to do a day trip. We're going to go out and go through a drive through And, you know, where, where do you want to go? And, you know, we did a few drives by, you know, childhood homes, things of that sort. But pretty much every time, where do you want to go? Missed one. So we, we and a lot of the members and, and other players probably saw us sitting in the, in the parking lot quite often. We'd sit right at the backdrop and, um, you know, he just – love this place and it makes I mean you just could see that that pride and he would watch each golfer get out and okay let's just stay for maybe 10-15 minutes okay Dan okay and then 10-15 minutes would pass and hey do do you have another 10 minutes or so do you think we can stay for 10 more yeah of course Dan we're not in a rush and then you know we would do that and you know an hour or so would go by and uh just loved every minute of it and he would share that it was bittersweet though he's like you know I want to I love being here and I have such pride and I just absolutely, you know, this, this place is me, but it's, it's, it's bittersweet. It's sad because I can't be here in the capacity that I want to be here. I want to be out there. I want to be out talking to the members. I want to be out and enjoying it. And I just have to sit here in the car, um, which kind of killed him. I mean, he was just that, um, crushed him to, to Mm -hmm. not be able to do what he wanted to do. Um, but no, in in terms of speaking about pride, I mean, we just, I think, my brother and I, we both, we've always been 100% invested and supportive of the idea as he, you know, purchased Mistwood, as he continued to, you know, to build the new clubhouse and renovate. Um, and I think now more than ever, we're, you know, beyond committed to, to making this, uh, to be around, to be around 100 years from now. Um, and as when dad bought Mistwood, it wasn't purchased to be you know, a, a five-year deal or something just for him to enjoy during his lifetime. But this was something that he continually said. This is a family business. This it's is something, a legacy. This is it something really that is. I, you know, it, it, this is way beyond me. This is something that hopefully my children and my grandchildren um, and beyond will be will be a part of. Uh, and even more be, than being proud of just what he built in terms of the, you know, the beautiful clubhouse and the incredible course and, you know, just the grounds. Uh, the, I think the pride really came in just – the, as we've always talked about the culture here and it's the, it's the members, it's the guests we have, it's the entire experience. It's, um, you know, he, he just watching not only members enjoy themselves, but 
you know, employees. It's just a place that people want to be. It just has an energy about the place. And I think that more than anything um, is where the pride really, really came Oh, it's, from. yeah, it's a special place and I get tremendous pride out of it. And it, what's interesting is the members and the employees, not only do they want to be here, but they wanted your dad here. I know. And that, that <laughs> was, but that, that's so rare. And, and I, I, I try to explain that to, or, you know, over the years, every, every time I hired a um, you know, usually in food and beverage, it was more food and beverage than, than anything, but we were hiring, you know, chefs or restaurant managers or, you know, anybody that, that came from a, a hotel background or a big corporate background. And I would try to explain to them, no, you know, our, our owner, you know, Jim, you got to meet him. You know, he's somebody that we want to, to, to be here. We want him to play more golf. We want him to, to eat, to eat here. We want him to come to meetings. And, and these, these people would look at me like I was absolutely insane because they're, they're coming from a whole different uh, you know, side of the world where you don't want the owner around. And when the owner's around, everybody's in fear. And, and it was never like that. You know, it, it, this is something that your dad built for your family, like you said. Um, and we wanted him to enjoy it. And everybody wanted him around. And the members still to this day talk about it. And I think everyone's kind of waiting for him to, you know, walk through the door or walk down the tee. It, it is, it's like that here, right? But because we feel it, we feel it, like you said. It's really, it, it, it's just cool, right? It's just right. The feeling here is right. I did want to share a quick story from one of our members, John Ballin, who works in the hospitality industry and has for a long time. We're going to have him for the newsletter, and he said, my favorite experience at Misswood was in June of 2019 when I met Jim McQuethy. I was hitting balls at the Performance Center, and I overheard him speaking with some friends. I walked over and introduced myself and shared my fitness weight loss story with him because he had lost weight at the Dome hitting balls all winter. <laughs> he said, the next day, Jim personally called me, thanked me for sharing my experience, and asked me to become a member at Mistwood. And then he had this quote, service is an action, but hospitality goes way beyond service. It is a feeling that is created instilling positive, memorable experiences. Mistwood is truly a special place. It is a hospitality experience at the very highest level. That's from one of our members. And that was his favorite story of, and why he became a member is that personal touch. How can that not make you feel great? Yep. That's what it's all about. Collections growing up or hobbies? Oh, Ooh, he, he had, had a lot of. I <laughs> have to go back to like his childhood um, and kind of start there. He had a lot of lot of other hobbies. Uh, golf was a huge one. Yeah, golf golf was one thing um, that remained constant from yep. the time he was very young, and you know, up until you know just months before he passed away. Um, but as a kid, very into train he, sets and yeah, building. Lionel trains. Um, he built lots of things. He was into building rockets. I did not know and, that. And, and oh, yeah. bombs and things like that, yes. Um, uh, he built, uh, like, models, a battleship. Uh-huh. Uh, we have a real big battleship in our basement that he built, like, when he was in high school. He was always um, very into astronomy. Yes. Um, he built a telescope, too, actually. Mm-hmm. Photography. We had a dark room in our basement when we were, when we were young, so mm-hmm. very into his cameras and his photography. Um, but more than anything, he loved water. I mean, yes. water in general, so... It was always a family joke if we were on vacation and you couldn't find where dad was. Like if we were out shopping or eating, walk to the water, you'll find you'll, him. You'll and sure enough, he was yeah. right by the water. Um, <laughs> but more than just liking the water, I mean, he, he loved to boat. He loved to sail. Um, water he loved ski. Scuba dive. Uh, yep. Todd and my dad were certified um, Yeah, he divers. was my, my scuba buddy for quite a few years. We, we did lots of scuba dives together. So, yeah, we traveled to like uh, yeah, Australia and... I mean, really, a lot of vacations that were strictly, I mean, the whole family came along, but it was strictly, I mean. It was geared towards diving. Yeah, for sure. Elise was another one uh, that was pretty spectacular. Loved his cars, He was very very into cars. In fact, a lot of people don't know, I don't even know if you know, Gretchen, that when he was young, 
one of the first occupations that he wanted to pursue was an automobile designer. Huh. <laughs> Isn't that something? Didn't know that. Yeah, and he's. I found some uh, drawings that he did when he was young of, and this would have been like during the aerospace um, time frame. So you know, like the cars with the big wings and, and things like that. But he had had drawn some cars like that. Um, it's obviously something he did not pursue, um, but he was always very much into like collector collector cars. Um, mm-hmm. performance cars, things like that. I love the behind-the-scenes <laughs> life of Drew McQuathy. That's really special. Car designer. It would have been a different <laughs> life, I think. I don't know how. I mean, it would have never finished. <laughs> like, it would have never been completed. <laughs> the color. I don't know what color it would have been. Oh, yeah. man. <laughs> in addition to just the hobbies, he was involved in so many other just – local community things mm-hmm. like he established our like or he was the president of our neighborhoods like homeowners association for many years mm-hmm. he started the brook our neighborhood park district he was the one that got things rolling with the city i think to have sewers put in in our neighborhood yeah. he recycling sold, uh, program too the recycling program point. he yeah. put like the old field oaks forest preserve he bought mm-hmm. the land and would not sell it unless it went to the forest preserve so yeah. now there's a forest preserve down the street from the house yeah. uh, he was on the board at cornell college for many years um, you know, donated buildings to Cornell. So there was just so many other things like that, too. It's the, um, art, it's the art building, by the way, yeah, which is really funny. Know, that is funny? incredibly oh, ironic that they did what that. What color today. did it end up, though? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also that, what is it, the Berry, Berry Center there as well? The Berry Center there. at Cornell, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, that, that makes more sense because that was more like business yeah. and economics. Berry Bearing. Yeah. So everybody yeah, understands, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Uh, the McQuethy Hall, the art building, that was kind of a surprise. But I remember he had asked me about that. Like, what do you think if we, you know, if I donated money for an art building? And you know, I'm not an artist, but I dabbled in art when I was younger. I always en- enjoyed drawing and things like that. And I thought, that's cool, Dad. I mean, right now, I actually spoke at the dedication yeah. ceremony, I think, about that very subject. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I thought it was great that he did that. And it's, well, it's, he was a big proponent of the liberal arts, and we kind of yeah. said to him, if you're, yes, even though you're more of a, a math, economics kind of guy, uh, you've always, you know, you've always preached and you've always been a big believer in the liberal arts, and this is part of the liberal arts experience. And if you want these students coming here to have that liberal arts experience, the arts are a big part of it. Yep. Yeah, my, mo- my most memorable trip, it's not, it's not even close, my most memorable trip with your dad was last fall when I went to Cornell with him. And, you know, the, the car ride there, we spent the whole day at Cornell. And, of course, they rolled out the red carpet and, and took us everywhere and gave us tours and, and meals and, and meetings with students. And we got to sit in a class and um, the whole thing. And it was from day to night. We, I think we left at 7 in the morning. We got back at midnight. Of course, he drove the whole way because he loved to drive. Um, but just to see him there and to listen the whole way there about all the stories, it, it was just all college stories. It was all stories about Cornell. Um, and, and the whole way back, we just talked about the, the, the whole thing and, um, he's very proud of that, and it was just such a cool experience there. But yeah, walking around that art building, when I walked around McGuffey Hall, and I saw all the, you know, all the artwork of the students, and uh, you know, some naked people and things, and I thought <laughs> your dad, and I looked at him, and just we just kind of shook his head. And <laughs> it's, it's his building. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's other things that I, you've told stories about childhood, and I don't know. Maybe th- maybe this is for another time, but um, I don't know. Just little things like. There's a barbed wire story. There's one he buried a, a steel beam in front of his mailbox oh, gosh, story. Yeah. I don't um, know if that's appropriate for now, but I mean, people, <laughs> you don't even know any of this stuff. Yeah, I don't know anything. Yeah, he, he had a. Uh, we were having problems for a while with our mailbox 
getting hidden by kids, right? I'm, I'm assuming. Like driving by? And yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And after like the third time or so, he was pretty fed up. And he had this idea um, that he was, well, what he did basically is he went out and he bought an I-beam. Okay. And he put a section <laughs> this falls it. under the category of Scottish temper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> and he sunk this into a big concrete footing, painted it white so it looked like wood, and put the mailbacks on it. And I think it had a wooden top or something like that. But um, not too long after that, somebody hit it. And then the car was just maybe, I don't know, 30 <laughs> feet down the road, just parked on the side of the road, and the people abandoned it. Um, like, they, they damaged just their destroyed. car. Oh, yeah. destroyed. Exactly. Right. Um, and I don't, I don't remember much more than that, but I remember him building it. Um, and, and he was, he was upset. Muttering know? as he built. Yeah, I'm sure. He yes. Was. And we, well, along the same lines, we had problems with people stealing Christmas trees or cutting down the trees that he planted at the corner yeah, of their property. Yeah, we had like evergreen or spruce trees at yes. the corner of our property. And, uh, sure enough, somebody came and late at night and cut one down. Um, one time I think that he actually... They were driving home from dinner, and they saw a car parked. Yeah. And then by the time he pulled in and then walked out there, they had grabbed the tree, threw it in the car, and were gone. So then what the mistake was is that I think he reached out somehow, or somebody reached out to him to a local paper, and they did a write-up over this about someone stealing, <laughs> you know, cutting down a Christmas tree from this poor gentleman's house. So that probably just gave somebody else the idea to do that. So sure enough, like the next week, another tree was it gone. It again. Um, so then he had had it. So he, yeah, he waited out there one night overnight, I know. Um, but he also then decided to take barbed wire and wrap, wrap the barbed wire <laughs> around the base, the around <laughs> all the trunks, so that if anybody else was going to attempt, they were going to, you know, they were going to cut up their hands pretty, pretty badly. Um, there was a story, speaking of trees, when uh, he... Uh, well, he worked a lot. I know where you're going uh, with this. He worked a lot, so he... Would do stuff at night a lot. Oh like, yeah, he loved to mow the grass at night. Oh boy. Oh yeah, he would still. He was still mowing the grass, you know, six months ago, but loved it. We had to have special. I think it was Brian. Yeah, yeah our mechanic. Yep, yeah, Brian, our, our mechanic. Crazy bright lights. Our mechanic installed lights term. on his yes. mower. I did hear about that. <laughs> Their LEDs. So, yeah. so neighbors were always talking, probably about Mr. McWethy outside at 10 o'clock at night mowing his grass. With but, state stadium lights on. But his lights. I'm like, yeah, Dad, you really ought to just have somebody, you know, mow it. You know, someone from the golf course. No, no, no. I mean, he loved it. But anyway, so he was usually doing yard work and things like that. And he loved, loved yard work. Mm-hmm. He insisted on doing it all himself. Even um, though he had a maintenance department. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he would do it usually late at night. Well, and he always had a list of things he wanted to try to get through, to get accomplished. And there was one summer evening where I think they got caught up. My mom and dad got caught up talking to next door neighbors or somebody. So he kind of got behind with his with his list. Um, but he had an evergreen tree, or was it a, a spruce? It was probably a spruce. A spruce yeah. tree. We had, you know, three or four kind of beautiful big spruce trees along the side of our house, but he had to cut down the one. And I guess it must have not been doing well. Um, so um, I was like, why don't you just come in for tonight? Just come on in. Just do it tomorrow. He's like, no, 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 no. I want to I check this off the list. I'm just going to quickly cut down this tree. So sure enough, he cuts down the tree, and as he as it's falling, he realizes that he down the wrong one. Um, oh, no. So I came inside and he says, well, well, I cut down the wrong tree. Um, so, you know, it, and the ugly Classic. one was still standing. So then we ended up with a really, a really big gap where there were, you know, then two trees missing. Oh, my goodness. Um, uh, and then there was, I mean, he did a lot of goofy things like that, usually because sometimes he was just trying to be creative with things, but sometimes mm-hmm. usually because he was kind of rushed trying to cram too much in. 
Um, there was a story that Todd can probably tell better about um, the the raccoon. Oh, the raccoon at their they have uh, uh, like a summer home in, in Grand Beach, Michigan, and uh, I lived there for a while actually while I was going to school, and uh, the oddest thing kept on happening. Like I'd walk into, I'd check all the bedrooms and and rooms of the house before I would go to bed at night. And every time I'd walk in my parents' bedroom, there was like a built-in dresser in, in the room. And there'd be a drawer pushed out. And so I'd push the drawer back in, and I'd go to bed. The next day, I'd go in there, the drawer would be pushed out. And here I'm thinking, is somebody messing with me? And this went on for like a few days. And so finally, I was like, what is going on here? So I started pulling the drawers out. And I had pulled out the one, let's see, it would have been the one below it. There's a raccoon sleeping in that drawer. <laughs> and so I slowly pushed it back in. And I think the next day my parents were up for the weekend. And I explained the whole story, how we have a raccoon living <laughs> in the dresser in, <laughs> in their bedroom. And apparently it's an older home. And I think there was a void in the house underneath. And they were able to crawl up there and then get behind the dresser. And it was pushing one out so it could yeah. crawl in one below it. And so my dad was like, well, we got to stop this. <laughs> and so, again, he had this plan. And, again, it involved concrete. <laughs> and so Jeez. for, like, a whole better part of a day, he spent getting bags of concrete and mixing it in five-gallon buckets, hauling it in, in there. He pulled all the drawers out, and there was a void, dumping it in there, dumping it in there until it filled up. And he, I know by the end of the day he was exhausted, but he had this sense of accomplishment, like, we Finally, that raccoon's not coming back now. Until the next morning when he went to take a shower and the water would not go down the drain. So apparently, you know, again, this is an old house. And so oh, I think no. that particular drain just <laughs> went into the sand dune. And he had <laughs> he plugged up it. the entire thing. With the cement. With the yeah. cement. Which cost, I don't know, like fifteen or $20,000 <laughs> to repair. Oh, <laughs> this was all like marble um like there was like a hot tub that was a shower or something like that and we basically had to gut the whole <laughs> the whole bathroom because of that but that raccoon did not that, come back. that was no. the end of the raccoon <laughs> no we, there's a lot of very similar stories of just yes there's uh, like a trend of that yeah, kind of yeah. story and yeah. with, with our dad for sure but is there anything that we feel we need to address or anything we want to say about the future of mistwood or do we think it was addressed I just think we, Todd and I both, want to make it very clear that, you know, we're, we're 100% committed. I mean, we, we shared the exact vision that, you know, our father had for this mm -hmm. place. And um, I think we, it's going to make us very proud to be able to carry out that vision. Um, and we're blessed with an incredible, you know, incredible family here of staff and um, just something extremely special that uh, I hope can, can carry us 100 years. But uh, we're definitely uh, very committed to this. I look forward to actually meeting. Uh, I know Todd and I have been talking about trying to get out and meet some members. Yes. Um, hope they're not let down. We're not quite, we're not, you know, we're, my dad set the bar pretty high. But, yes. uh, again. <laughs> I don't know, did he? I, but th that's what, I don't know. How do you explain, you can't explain it. They're going to, the members should get to know you guys. Yes, you're just no, like sure. your dad. Like you're, you are just like him, both of you. And but no, I think we really look forward to just being, you know, even though neither of us are avid golfers, I think we look forward to just being present here a little bit more. It's, you know, neither of us live immediately in the area. Todd's in Michigan and I'm in uh, Geneva. 
Um, but I think we plan on trying to get out here once or twice a week at least and just get to know people. And um, Yeah, no, it's you know, that's it, it just It's neat. It's to enjoy what dad enjoyed just even even though he very seldom actually played the course i mean he was busy doing stuff but as much as he loved to golf he loved just and he would claim that he was shy we're like dad you are not (laughs) shy he is not shy. you are a talker um (laughs) but he just enjoyed you know talking to people and and learning about them and why they why they what they enjoy about mistwood what they would change i mean he just loved that and i think uh i think we would enjoy doing the same yeah we feel the same way um i mean we're, we're very much uh, like our father, I think. Um, and so for me, personally, when I see something as unique um, and special as, as Mistwood, you know, I want to be a part of it. Um, and I want to I want to, you know, push it to the next level, yeah. um, you might say. Um, and with everything, I mean, right now, when you look at what we've been through over the last few months and how well we've been able to navigate it, um, you know, if we can make it through this, we can make it through anything. I really believe that. Um, and I think, you know, and I've said this in meetings, you know, I think the staff has just really risen to the occasion um, on multiple, multiple times and multiple, multiple levels. Just being able to be innovative and adapt and, and just, yeah, yeah, kind of roll with the changes. And we keep getting dealt things that we don't necessarily want to deal with, but we keep cruising on through. Um, so, yeah, we are truly blessed with uh, the team we have here at Mistwood. I think it's a good thing Andy's not here because, I mean, you know, once you start talking about the future, then it's, you know, second dome, third dome, fourth dome. It's <laughs> probably a good thing. Second, third, fourth golf course. Golf course. <laughs> Why not? We're going to edit all this out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be more funny to leave that in, actually. <laughs> well, one thing with Jim was he had left me a voicemail after seeing the commercial. It was a month after I met him. And he was worried about it being too new and trendy and contemporary. And he's like, I'm an old fart. I didn't think I like it. And he loved it. But he was always forward thinking. He was always thinking about what's next. And that's kind of been instilled in me. And I know, Dan, you've known him forever. Um, But we are. We're always thinking about what's next and how to not be complacent with what we have. So I think as a leader, he was tremendous at that. He was supportive. Yeah. He he was very supportive. And and he, he trusted us. You know to, you know to go. I don't know. You know, find the next thing, and and yeah. you know, he would give us that, those opportunities. And he would always. I mean, even those last few months when he was sick, he would rave about just the staff here. You know, and who who we had running things. And you yeah, know, he really we just believed got in such the staff. Good sure. people. We have so many good people. We have put together a team that is unlike any other team. I mean, he just knew that this place was in in very good hands. And it's not just the people themselves. It's the fact that everybody here is is was focused on they're on the same page they're on the same page and it's yep. you know making it this is for your dad like this is for the family they're, they're a part of this vision exactly and you know as they start to get to know you two and you get to know them that's going to continue like that that's not going to change everybody's in this you know we not for themselves nobody's in this for themselves everybody wants this thing to, to go on we're all part of something much much bigger yeah, i believe that yeah well thank you so much again for joining the podcast today this was truly a pleasure to Learn more about Jim and his background, and I think share with everyone the type of person he was and the way he lived his life. So that's so special to us. Thanks for having us. It was fun. Thank you so much. This was a blast. And we will see everyone next time. Get in the cart. Right at us. The best in the business, Roger Cleveland. Can't wait to get back to Chicago in this one. This is Party of Four, a Mistwood Golf Club podcast.